0: Is Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. So turn up your Walkman, loosen that scrunchie, and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Hi, I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment, and welcome to Totally 80s. Love is in the air, and we love hearing from you. So why not take a second to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram, or email us your comments and show ideas to podcast at totally80s.com. So yes, if you haven't figured it out yet, it is Valentine's season. And whether you're looking for the perfect retro romantic soundtrack this February 14th, or you were planning to spend the holiday just listening to one of my favorite love songs of the 80s, Jay Gall's band, Love Stinks, uh, we have... We have some other song suggestions to help you get in whatever mood you're in, and I figured there was no one better to join this Valentine's Day love fest, first of all, then the man who wrote and sang some of the biggest love songs of the 80s, Kevin Cronin from Ario Speedwagon, and a true fellow 80s baby to help us feel the lobe, Lisa lobe. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all night. Hey guys, it's good to see you. I have another pun. I want everybody to please stay and play this podcast in high infidelity because we're gonna keep on loving you. All right, I'm done. Hi guys. Nice. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Speaking of feeling the love, I, I I I feel like you guys know each other. Maybe people listening to this, they may wonder why I have put us all together on this three way blind date, so to speak. But it's not really a blind date. You guys are not just fans of each other, but I think you've even collaborated together and stuff, right? Well, Lisa
1: and I like to foster the idea of people from different decades actually communicating. It's a, and I know it's a bizarre concept. It's something that we're, we're, we're working on, Lisa, and I think, I think it's starting to spread. I think it's starting to catch on.
2: Yeah, I think it's a whole new thing. I I of course was a huge huge fan growing up of your music. Uh-huh. And so along the way, Dweezil Zappa and I covered your song Keep on Loving You on a VH1 show and it was a huge hit. Everybody loved it and I loved being able to sing it. And then we met. On I think we met on a bus for a golf tournament, for a VH1 golf tournament maybe. And I picked your brain and I picked your brain about because you guys made so many records and I just I was so excited to meet you. Uh-huh. And then later Later, we ended up getting to actually
1: sing together. I know. I, it was so funny because we were in your hometown of Dallas. You texted me in the afternoon, and Lisa's like, I'm in town, you know, how are you doing? And I'm like, well, that was really friendly. And, you know, I I liked you just because seeing you on different shows or whatever, you're just a very, you're equally lovable in person, as you are, as your image would portray, you know, uh, your, your thing. So I was like, so I, I called back, and yeah, next thing we know, my wife, who was in town, you and your assistant, and I were back in my dressing room. And I think your assistant, was it your assistant that- Actually,
2: took- it's one of my best friends. I have best friends for my whole life. One of my best friends, Margaret, her mom and, and my mom were pregnant at the same time. So I've known her since before I was born. Oh, that's right. So And we used to go see you play and we listened to you growing up. And so she was there with me and she was helping take pictures and singing. She actually used to be the lead singer of the band when I was in high school.
1: Really? Wow.
2: I was the guitar player harmony singer, yeah. That's how I started out, too, yeah.
0: So then you guys ended up collaborating together? I need to hit up YouTube and find this.
2: Yeah, it's on YouTube. Actually, so Kevin and his band were playing in one of the huge outside amphitheaters in Dallas. And, uh, and so... So he said, well, th- nobody's coming backstage. It's COVID times, you know, and I said, that's cool. We- we'd love to come see you. And then he texted back and asked if I would come up and sing with him. So it was like a double whammy singing in this like place that you only dream of singing when you grow up in Dallas, plus singing with one of my music heroes and friends, um, that unusual balance that that strikes sometimes. And um, so I got to walk on stage and sing with you on stage in front of like a million
1: people. You know, it took me a second to put it together. Like when I when I got your text, I'm like, "Okay, wait, there has to be a reason here." And then I and then I'm like, "Wait a minute." Lisa sang and and, and I remembered that thing. And by the way, that was awesome. You're and Dweezel's version of Keep on Loving You was great. He I love the way he plays the solo. I mean, he just like I mean, Dweezel he's he's the real deal that guy, you know. And uh, Yeah. Was there a, a not-too-secret romance going on, or was it yes, a Yes, we,
2: we did. We dated for a long time, and then, and then now it's like 25 years later, or 20 years later. And I'm married with children. Yeah. Nice.
0: In between your dweezil relationship and you getting married, you, speaking of VH1, had a show all about finding love, number one single
2: on E, actually. It ended up being oh, okay. on E, the E channel, because I think VH1 wanted me to be more dramatic and cry. And I, I have this feeling like I, it was early days of reality shows and I wanted mine to be real, you know, not like, oh, I'm drinking martinis, which I don't really do, you know, <laughs> at a place. with. It, it was like real people in their 30s, late 30s, very late 30s. It it wasn't a game show. I may or may not have found somebody. It was called Number One Single. And the whole point was to show what it feels like to be a career person in their 30s, you know, looking for love and talking to their friends. And it was kind of like Sex and the City, but much more uh, down to earth.
0: It was a fabulous show. I really enjoyed it. So I think we've all established that we're all feeling the love with each other and that we're all experts in our own way in the field of love. And we have keep talking about Keep on Loving You. So I feel like it's the great... Springboard. if we're talking about great 80s love songs, that's one of the reasons, Kevin, I wanted to have you on. I remember, my first memory of hearing that song was in the absolutely, speaking of keeping it real, super realistic final scene of the most relatable teen love sex movie of the 80s, The Last American Virgin. Do you remember that when it was in that?
1: Yes, vaguely.
0: So that movie, sorry, spoiler alert, it starts off as kind of this... Teen sex comedy like Porkies or whatever. And then it goes in this whole other third act that's kind of dark and very realistic, and it does not have a happy ending, this movie. You should all go see it, though, because it, it did keep it real. But that was the first time I heard this song. The song has taken on all sorts of life. You know, Lisa Loeb has covered it. Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols <laughs> you actually did this song together. Can you briefly tell that story? Because that just, I think, shows the universal appeal of, you know, one could argue is at least one of REO Speedwagon's signature love songs of the 80s.
1: I'm wearing Jonesy's T-shirt today, which is why we started talking about this. But, yeah, I went down to uh, do his radio show. It was at a club in L.A., and he wanted to perform a couple of songs with me, which I thought was awesome. He goes, My, I'd like to do uh, Keep On Loving You. I'm like, all right, if I would have been sitting somewhere in 1981 and someone asked me who I would least expect to be asking me to play "Keep on Loving You" with me. Steve Jones would have been top ten for sure. Turns out, I mean, he's like the, the nicest guy in the world. He told me that, and I don't know. Maybe this, maybe I got this wrong, but I, I understood that he was taking a shower, got this idea about "Keep on Loving You." grabbed a guitar instead of getting out of the shower and picking up a guitar. Steve Jones decided to stay in the shower and bring the guitar in the shower with him and work out this guitar part for keep on loving you, which he subsequently taught me because I wrote the song on piano and had never been able to figure out how to play it on guitar. So there you have it. The circle is, is complete.
0: The circle is very complete, but it's interesting because I I just I've been we've all been citing this as, you know, an iconic love ballad. But it's kind of interesting. You know, I want to ask you, Kevin, about writing this song because it's it's not really like it's kind of like I'm putting it in a category sort of of like when people dedicate like a couple of other 80 songs, like Every Breath You Take by The Police or The One I Love by R.E.M. And they like dance to it at their wedding. And then it's like, are you listening to the lyrics? Keep on Loving You isn't really like a just straight ahead love song at all. Like it's it's got an interesting story behind it.
2: Yeah, I want to know. I
1: want to know about the snake all
2: coiled up and
1: hissing. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, when people tell me that they played that song at their wedding, The first thing I think of is, did you listen to the verses? Uh, You know, and I mean that's kind of what makes the song, what it is, is that the verses are pretty dark. But check it out. So, so Dolly Parton, who, by the way, in 1980 covered one of my songs, "Time for Me to Fly." She turned it into a like a country hoedown. I I put the record on when she sent it to me and I thought that my turntable was on 78 RPM. It it was just like, I'll be around for you, been up and down for you, right? So anyway, I get a call from Dolly, literally the other day, and because she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and at first she didn't want to go in because she didn't feel like it was proper, But then she got the idea that, okay, I'll be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I got to make a rock and roll record. So she decides to make a rock and roll record. And she's contacting a number of different rock and roll artists to participate in this record with her. She decides she wants to cover Keep on Loving You. Wait, on her rock
0: record that's coming out?
1: Well, yes.
0: That's awesome. I just saw the ad for that.
1: Really? Okay. So she's
0: she's doing all. She's got like Mick Jagger and stuff on this record. People like that. Wow. The day
1: after I did my vocal, Elton John was was recording his. But here's the kicker: what happened was she sent me the track, and I was just going to sing a little harmony on it, or they wanted me to play piano. I was literally talking to her on the phone, and it hit me that, and Lisa, you'll be able to relate to this. I wrote that song. And I kind of portrayed myself as more of the good guy than perhaps I was. And perhaps it takes more than one snake in the grass all coiled up and hissing to tango if you catch my drift. So that's the reality of the song. It gave me the idea that Dolly could sing the first verse. And in the first verse, I'm cheating on her. But then I take the second verse, and in the second verse, I go, oh yeah? Well, I know all about those men, you know? And so now the song becomes this kind of dark duet until it gets to the chorus where they go, I meant every word I said. When I said that I love you, I said that I love you forever. Dolly and I sing it in harmony. It slays me because it's so, that's what how the song was meant to be performed i just didn't realize it until until dolly called me the other day so that's how we're doing it and i'm just i'm so stoked
0: i am stoked i cannot believe this this is you're you're doing it's funny because you know i'm talking all about valentine's day you're doing a duet with America's sweetheart dolly parton
1: and she not unlike the lovely and talented lisa Loeb, dolly is just What you see is what you get. You know, what was great is when I was talking to her, there are artists, you know, who are kind of American Idol put together, like the producers and the managers and the agents all know what's going on. And the artist is just like, I don't know, I'll just do what I'm told. Dolly, I could tell just in talking to her, the way she talks about songs and lyrics and arrangements. And she, she like says, yeah, maybe I'll do a couple of ad libs here. And she talks like, like she's the real thing. She's been in studios all her life and she's just, she's just another woman. Talented, wants to make a good record, and then of course she's Dolly Parton, which is like unbelievable.
0: I'm so excited for this. This is I didn't know when I invited you on to talk about "Keep on Loving You" and 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 just in general about love songs of the '80s that you know I'd get this exciting news. It's definitely something you know who doesn't love Dolly Parton. I mean, come on.
2: This is like. Breaking news. I feel so, so honored.
0: Me too. I'm not only honored, I am ecstatic. I cannot wait to hear this. This is going to be magical and totally awesome. But since we are talking about love songs of the 80s, Lisa, you were saying that, you know, you you grew up with REO Speedwagon's music and in general, like, when you were growing up listening to 80s music, what kind of love songs did you gravitate towards?
2: Well, this is the thing. I was thinking about the eighties and I and in my in my Grammy party fog, I was thinking about the eighties music, and I thought, well, that was like my whole childhood. You know I was born in the late sixties, so that was my being a little kid, going to the orthodontist, being in my mom's car, clock radios all the way through seventh grade slow dances, like, oh my God, so embarrassed through high school, all the way through college. I graduated in 90s, so this is like my entire life. And there's so many different categories, everything from early R&B to pop music in the 80s and soft pop, like... I, I I literally wrote down everything. I had new wave. I'm a new wave kid. I'm a, a rock kid. I'm a, a sitting in my Me mom's too. car kid. So and I was a you know everything from air supply all out of love. I think I had a crush on a on a guy that my brother was in a piano competition with in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> we almost saw Engelbert Humperdinck in the elevator that day. Pac Man had just come out. We were our hands were blistered from playing Pac Man in the bar, but um, we were listening on our Walkmans to so like all out of love. But Yaz. Yazoo, yeah, Only La, only You. Only You. That's on yes. my list,
0: too. I have a lot of new wave songs on my list. I have a feeling your list and mine are going to overlap quite a bit.
2: And like creepy but beautiful songs like I Want You by Elvis Costello from Blood and Chocolate. There's, there's just so many different types of categories. I mean, I don't even know where to start.
0: It's interesting because High Infidelity was kind of like a concept album about love and, you know, maybe the darker side of love. And one such album that is my soundtrack every valentine's day and that i still probably listen to it's actually the first album i bought with my own money and i still listen to it probably once a week at least is the lexicon of love by abc that entire i mean there's a song on it called valentine's day so i got to bring it up but like poison arrow shoot that poison arrow to my heart the look of love the best song on it and one of the best breakup songs you know it's funny because i'm talking about love songs but oftentimes love songs are Sad, like, you know, as we've just established in this conversation or about, you know, things not going so right, is ABC's All of My Heart. I can't talk enough about ABC. I actually could get, like, almost heated because I don't think, even though they had a lot of hits here, you know, I was thinking about them just the other day because Smokey Robinson was on the ground. I mean, so they had the song When Smokey Sings. Like, they had so many great love songs. Me and my first boyfriend, our song, was Be Near Me by ABC from ABC's third album. But I don't really think they get their due. Like, Lexicon of Love was like the first major album that Trevor Horn produced. It's a beautiful sounding record. In England, ABC did this tour where they were playing venues like Royal Albert Hall, doing all of the Lexicon of Love with an orchestra. And out here in LA, they play smaller venues. So they only do like these kind of like package tours with other 80s bands. The Lexicon of Love is a classic. And whether someone's like going through a breakup or wants a make-out soundtrack, I think it kind of checks all the boxes and suits all the needs. So that's my ABC soapbox. But
1: wait, let me ask you, Lindsay, have you shared that with the band? Have you shared your love of them and how their music has affected you? Because I don't think people understand how much that means when someone who is, especially when anyone picks, you know, loves your music, but especially when someone who's in the business of loving music, loves your music. So
2: going that deep, I mean, it really does mean something. People, I would just play, it was playing a concert the other night and then somebody said, I bet you get sick of this, but I just want to tell you. And then they went deep on certain songs that I'm like, no, I, I actually, that, that does mean a lot because I am also a music fan and right. I know what it's like to be in the audience looking at the stage saying like, play number seven on the B-side. Like, oh my God, they heard my song.
0: Well, I think Martin Fry of ABC is Pretty aware of it because I've interviewed him more than once. But the last time I interviewed him, which was on Zoom, I may or may not have held up my copy of the Lexicon of Love that I bought as a child, like that I still own, and like held it up on the Zoom for him. So yeah, I'm pretty sure he knows. But I'll never tire, of not only telling him how much that record meant to me, but just anyone, people listening here, because I think I think ABC should be playing with an orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl. I don't think they should be playing small clubs or whatever. I think. I think they were a really important band of the 80s. I would love to have Martin Fry on the show. So that's that's like my go-to Valentine's Day soundtrack or soundtrack of my life. But my number one love song of all time and and love, actually my, literally my favorite song of all time is More Than This by Roxy Music. I think that's a beautiful song. So those are two things I'd volunteer now. But Kevin, you know, besides love songs of your own, what are some 80s love songs that are like kind of your go-to soundtracks for when you're feeling the love? You know, one
1: thing, as you were talking, love songs, one of the great things about them is when you hear the song that was your song for your first boyfriend in Lubbock, Texas, you never forget those songs. So there's a connection to those youthful relationships, which all add up to the relationships that you end up in as an adult. But you, when you hear those songs, you remember them. Like, I remember... <laughs> This isn't really an '80s love song, but when you're talking about my my song with my very first love, my first girlfriend was "Handyman," not the James Taylor version, which I freaking love. It's one of my favorite records ever, but it was the Del Shannon version. Mm. Come 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 on! It was just like, oh, you know. But uh, okay, '80s love songs. Let me get back on the topic here. Well. I think I would have to say my favorite 80s love song is by the band Foreigner. You know, there's certain bands from the 80s, Ario Speedwagon included, who kind of become a punchline sometimes. It's like, OK, you know, I, I get it, whatever. But the truth is, if you listen to a record like I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner, you listen to Lou Graham's voice, you just take in that melody and take in that choir behind it. And I mean, it's just a powerful record. I remember the first time I heard it, I just, it stopped me in my tracks and yeah, I want to know what love is, man, that, that record.
0: But it's interesting that you brought up that song because there's a connection there is that uh, I want to know what love is and can't fight this feeling. We're both and Rock of Ages, the musical, which which Lisa has a connection to through her manager. Right,
1: Lisa, I forgot that. Yeah, I mean, I know your manager from way back, from the Rock of Ages. I grew up in a house of Broadway musicals. I mean, that's what my parents were into. It, you know, West Side Story, South Pacific, My Fair Lady, Bye Bye Birdie, of course, which was the first rock and roll Broadway show. But yeah.
0: That was what I was going to ask you, Kevin, was you sort of talk about how these songs Kind of can become a a joke And I don't think you know Even actually in Rock of Ages Your song, Can't uh, Fight This Failure It's kind of a joke, although I think it's a great scene Where these two men realize I think it's a sense have- of
2: humor It's a sense of humor that uses the passion Behind the song and everybody's familiarity with the song To make it like a, it, a, a Joke, but more in a humorous It's like humorous, it's got a humorous tone And you know that it's a great song When it can hold up to humor And still have the passion inside of it, you know?
0: But I want to talk about power ballads because, you know, I'm sure Lisa and I at our proms, like, definitely dance to some power ballads. And I love power ballads. Just so anyone, here's my travel tip for you guys or anyone listening. There is a power ballad club in London. It's like once a month at the Electric Ballroom. It is called Ultimate Power And it's just 80s power ballads. The One time I went to London and it was happening like the day I ride, I was like, screw jet lag, I'm going. No one wanted to go with me. I went by myself. I'm pretty sure they played uh, some of your songs, Kevin. But I love power ballads, like some of the power ballads of the 80s that I just think have really stood the test of time, which may or may not have been in Rock of Ages. It's like I Remember You by Skid Row is a pretty much perfect ballad. Love is on the Way by Saigon Kick. I I mentioned Don't Stop Believing" by Journey, that's a really obvious one. Heart, Alone. Love Song by Tesla, Uh, you know, that's such a great song. Like, uh, Till I Get You and Don't You Ever Leave Me by Henry Rocks, who is another band I could really get on a soapbox about. I want to talk about power ballads.
1: How about everything I do, I do it for you. That, I mean, that was, it's kind of a perfect song in that way. You know, Brian Adams sings his ass off. Just like
2: heaven, just like heaven. No, there you I go. I actually, I went to, I actually, well, this was the thing though. Power ballads to me make me nervous. I hear open arms and I get nervous. I sweat because oh. I'm like, I just wasn't a kid who was dating in high school. I was a kid. I became a DJ. I became a DJ for parties because I would be at the party, but I wouldn't be dancing at the party. No one really, really would ask me to dance. I was, but I acted cool about it. But so power ballads come on and they make me nervous.
0: It's so interesting how you're how we can have such personal triggers or associations with songs
2: I was a new wave kid and my parents had some people visiting from out of town and and there was a journey concert with Brian Adams opening when Brian Adams was still he was he was mainstream but he was a little bit more alternative mainstream when when that album came out that first one
0: With Cuts Like a Knife,
2: yeah. Yeah, another friend of mine who was more of like a mod, we were into like the the Who and the specials and stuff, like we were like, oh, we have to go see Journey. And we were very judgy and new wavy. And we went to see the concert, and we went to see it, and it was amazing. And
1: Steve Perry singing at the time. Yeah, and Steve Perry
2: was singing, and you go back, and you're like, these are all amazing songs. And sometimes we do that thing where we we hear popular songs, and if we're too cool for school, we poo-poo the band. We're like, eh. But once you see the bands, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's like what you were saying earlier, even with ABC, who had a hit alternative song. They've got this whole other world. They're, you know, top notch ballads and and
1: songs that they write. If it's a good song, if it's a, you know, a well-written song, you know, I think in the 80s, we did tend to kind of. Overproduce things a little bit. We wanted to be because we were we were always playing in arenas, and so that's what it sounded like in an arena. It just was real echoey and and loud, and so that's what we tried to we tried to make our records sound so that people buying the records would would be reminded of our live show but to me the fun is when you strip all that away and you take those power ballads it, it was the production i think that was kind of funny but the songs themselves if you just sit down and play them on an acoustic guitar you just strip away all the all the production
0: or play it with steve jones or play with steve jones in the shower
1: exactly yeah
0: exactly mm-hmm. well there's there's definitely some ballads i want to mention they're not necessarily power ballads from hair metal world but i do want to say just as a side note to that because we're talking about like you know i was mentioning artists like skid row and we're talking about rock of ages is a lot of those songs kind of get you know short shrift critically a lot of those artists in general sort of get like people like oh god you know motley Crue or poison or whatever but like they wrote really great songs like maybe it was Not so much just only the production, as you mentioned, Kevin, but also the fact of the look, the music videos, the hair, the clothes. But you strip away that stuff as well. And you got Every Rose Has a Thorn or Home Sweet Home or I Remember You by Skid Row. These are great songs. But some power ballads that I was into that are kind of, they're ballads, but they're not from the, the hair metal or the hard rock world. Never Tear Us Apart by NXS. In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. Love it. How did it take this long to mention that one? All I Want Is You, and of course, the song by Peter Gabriel is in one of the most iconic love scenes in a in a film. I think it just was in the tail end of the 80s, 1989, which was, you know, say anything with the boombox. You know, you can't hear it in your eyes without wanting to lift a boombox from the 80s above your head while it's playing. So that one, All I Want Is You by you 2 Time After Time by Cindy Locker. Time
1: After I love,
0: time. Oh, love it. Uh, True by Spandau Ballet.
2: What about With or Without You Too by You two,
0: I do love that song as well. I guess for some reason, all I want to do is the one that six But I mean, you know, there were a lot, a lot of amazing ballads by You by two. I just was reading Bono's book, and he wrote that song with or without you for his wife, who he met in high school, you know, in the 70s. He didn't think that was a good song. He didn't want that on the Joshua Tree. He had to kind of be talked into it. I, he thought it was he thought it was kind of schlocky and kind of schmaltzy, which is, you know, as as we sort of touched upon, some people sort of dismiss love songs.
2: Yeah, I did that. I did that with the police. I'm a huge fan of the band, the police. And when I first heard, I was so excited when synchronicity was going to come out. Cause that was the first other than ghost in the machine. That was the first police record. I was going to be concurrent with like, otherwise I knew their, their music. Cause it was from, it had already been put out. The albums were already out, but this was an album I was waiting for. And the first song I heard was every breath you take. And I was so disappointed. Oh no. It was like, this song sounds like a country song what is happening and it became the most popular song i was like this is not roxanne this is not you know what what are we what am i hearing and i was so sad about it sorry not to be rude police but i know it's one of their most popular songs and it's creepy
0: lisa while you saying that does kind of bring up the point you know it's kind of like you know to quote you know this isn't a um you know necessarily an 80s reference but like silly love songs what's wrong with silly love songs the Paul McCartney said is yeah when an artist whether it's a hard rock artist that normally does you know head banging songs and then they put out this prom you know power ballad or it's a an edgy new wave artist and then they put out a sensitive song or if it's an you know someone like Phil Collins doing a really like high production song like Against All Odds which is another one of my favorite ballads or like you know when when it can be considered like schmaltzy when someone does a love song and i imagine you know kevin you were sort of talking about like maybe these kind of songs not being taken seriously and i'd love your thoughts about the fact that like i feel it might be harder to write a love song with sincere lyrics particularly lyrics that are based on your personal life which is the case with some of your iconic songs than to write you know a punk rock song
1: well you know in my love songs there's always some kind of tension in there because Mm. I, you know, when I'm feeling really joyful and happy, I normally go for a walk or there's other things I do. It's it's when I'm feeling confused or or angry or, you know, the the more uh, difficult emotions. That's when I pick up a guitar, you know, and and so my love songs are usually more about working through something. And and and, you, you know, you, you mentioned Can't Fight This Feeling. Can't fight this feeling. I wrote the verses for that song in nineteen seventy-five, right? And I I wrote a number of two or three horrible choruses, which which I knew because I'd play the song and people would be like into it and then I would get to the chorus and suddenly people would like be, you know, spacing out. So and I knew it anyway. Any at any rate, the chorus came years later 10 years later and what I realized was that I thought the song was about the girl but the song was really about myself it was about my inability to express myself and and, you know I I loved her from afar and I couldn't get the nerve to just be real and just go I I like you when you want to go have some ice cream, you know, I mean, I couldn't, I just couldn't go there, and that's why, you know, 10 years later, as I'm struggling with this, REO Speedwagon needs a follow-up to Keep on Loving You, and I know I've got these verses, so I get my lyric notebook out, I look at it, and the very first line of the first verse is, I can't fight this feeling any longer, and I went, oh, shit, that's what this song's about, and I swear to God, I flew down the stairs to the piano room, and that B section and chorus, I couldn't get the ideas out fast enough because it was just the floodgates opened. And to me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why I wrote the song or what what inspired me. It's just that if you can hear that song and suddenly you can plug your own story into it, then you got something. Then there's that connection between the song and the people everywhere and least I'm sure you you know the feeling when when you hear a song that that you wrote you know wherever whether it's in the grocery store or on the radio or whatever and I, it's just the most amazing feeling ever I don't care it never gets old I, I still you know get a big smile on my face i walk walking down the street the other day my son Josh sends me a YouTube video i just see the first frame of it and it's keith urban sitting at the piano so i press the the go button and turns out that keith had been coming on for his encore in in his arena tour and he says he goes everybody want to sing along and the crowd goes yeah so and then he starts the the chords of keep on loving you and i'm like wait a minute are you telling me i'm thinking this in my mind wait so this song, this little song that I wrote in the middle of the night, never thought anyone would ever hear it. Now, Keith Urban's on stage and he stops when he plays the verses. And when he gets to the chorus, he stops. And this entire arena of Keith Urban fans <laughs> sings the chorus. And I'm sitting there and I'm just it's mind blowing. I mean, I, I was. Uh...
0: This is crazy. So if we're keeping track for the listeners at home, keeping track, this song has been covered by. Lisa Loeb and Dweezil Zappa, Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols, Dolly Parton in the shower, Dolly Parton and Keith Urban and that's just in this conversation. I mean, I imagine if I went on like song facts or who who covered like there's probably I mean, that's a universal love song right there. That's a message that everybody obviously can re- I think it's kind of a unique message in that song to go back to that song. I there's not I can't think at the top of my head another song at least written by a a man and sung by a man originally that kind of has the viewpoint of that song but there's a message in that song that people clearly relate to people have been in that position before and that's when you know you've written a really great love song congratulations
1: well thank you i appreciate that Lindsay. yeah it it, uh you know as our bus driver says even a blind sow finds an acorn once in a while you know (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, you did. You didn't just have one Acorn. I mean, you know, you, true. All right,
1: I found a couple.
0: <laughs> a couple. Well, what as songwriters, we're sort of getting into the topic of songwriting now for both of you. What constitutes a great love song? I mean, obviously, for as, as we've established, you know, it's hard to separate the love song with the connection it has to a moment or a relationship or a memory in your personal life, and that is, you know, obviously the case, especially when it comes to love songs. There are songs that you know. Whether you understood the verses or not, that you played at your wedding, that you had at a prom, that you know you had your first kiss to, your first date to, you dedicated to someone. But in general, what constitutes a well-written, timeless love song that 40 years later people will still be listening to and covering, et cetera?
2: I have to say, it's funny when you when you say that. Because some of my favorite songs, you know, these these big ballads also like Just Like Heaven by The Cure or Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order, there's this feeling of longing that I hear. Mm. It's not always a straightforward love song. And it's exactly what Kevin said. I Some of my best love songs are not songs that I even wrote from my own heart. Because when I'm in love, just like you said, it's funny, I tell this story on stage. When you're in love, you go get an ice cream or you go, you know, skip down the block. You don't get on your bed and... Take out your pen and write in your diary. Dear diary, you so so some of the best love songs that I've let myself write, they're not great, but their love songs, positive love songs are when somebody assigns me, you know, there's a movie to write mm-hmm. about, there's like a, a scene to write about. But what I like, I, what I like that I wish I could capture is the melody. I think the melody really gets you, which in some cases that production that may have been over the top in the 80s, it emphasizes the, the melody, those, those great melodies and the longing. I feel like a lot of longing, which does have looking at love from a bunch of different angles. It's not just, I'm in love. It's it's the longing.
0: Well, that's why I mentioned ABC so much. I mean, that's it's a love album, but it's it, actually Martin Fry wrote it about a woman who he who dumped him. You know, it's not it, it, you know all in my heart is a, is a breakup song. So yeah. But, you know, uh, I did want to mention a couple, since you brought that up, a couple songs that I had on my very long list. I don't know if we we'll even get to all of them, of songs that had longing in them. Oh, my God. Lisa just held up, like, a, how many pages of notes do you have for there? Well, if you can, I, I have
2: four at least here, but it's lots of tiny writing. It, But it could go on and on. It can go on we and on. We will go
0: on and on. But I'll I'll say some of the ones that I really like, because I do think the longing thing, the fact that it's not just like, oh, we're happy and in love. Pretty much any Cure song who are my favorite band of all time. Careless Whisper by Wham and George Michael, of course. Uh, There is a Light That Never Goes Out by The Smiths uh uh, lamore by erasure wishing by flock of seagulls to go into a little bit of rap i just need to give ll cool j some credit i i don't think there had ever been like a love song in the hip-hop world until i need love by ll cool j came out i don't think like drake and all these people who are like sensitive rappers who do sensitive love songs would exist without i need love by ll cool J. And then I don't know if this is a longing song, because I do kind of feel that if a man did this song, it would have come across as kind of creepy and stalkery, a la Every Breath You Take, or I Want You by Elvis Costello. But Burnin' Up, my favorite Madonna song, is pretty much like... I have no shame. I'm throwing myself at you. It's kind of almost like a female incel song. It's kind of like, I know you say you don't love me, but I know you do. You're just afraid to admit it. And, you know, that was definitely a song that I, at least in my own head, you know, dedicated to lots of unrequited crushes back in the day. You know,
2: what about Prince Prince? There's so much Prince. I would die for you. Uh, Any songs from Under the Cherry Moon. um, Modern English, I'll melt. I'll melt with you that that's that just has a the melody has a feeling of longing
1: it does and the way he sings it too I think I think the longing see I and this is kind of new for me because I always used to think that that the lyric was you know if the emotion that a writer puts it puts out to write a lyric, especially if it's a vulnerable lyric, a, a lyric about longing. I agree with you, Elise. I think the, the best love songs are not about, hey, I'm in love, everything's great. It's, it's about... I'm in love, but I can't express it or I'm in love and I'll never reach her.
2: Those those are the songs, too, as somebody who want, you know, like I remember being a teenager and wondering if somebody liked me or not. You know, like I hope the guy feels like he just can't express himself and he's trying to break through that wall. Maybe one day he will. Right.
0: That's why I liked Alone by heart as well, because it's about wanting to, you know, which I mentioned a few minutes ago, which is about wanting to tell someone kind of similar to Can't Fight This Feeling, like, how can I get you alone so I can, you know, I was going to tell you tonight and then I didn't get the chance and whatever, you know, I really like that one. And then, you know, there's a, some other, going back to the new wave thing that I just want to make sure I mentioned, Me Now by Thompson Twins, hmm. or Lisa and I, when I actually invite you be on this podcast, you were mentioning, you know, I was talking about like in your eyes being so iconic and say anything, but there's another Thompson twin song.
2: Yeah. If you were here, it has that feeling of longing and it plays in a movie over a very romantic scene,
0: 16 candles, final scene. And that was, you know, going back to what you were just saying, Lisa, about wondering if someone like, Loves you. That was the absolute, like, aspirational story for the average girl in the 80s who related so much to Molly Ringwald, that there was a possibility that this secret crush she had on the most popular boy in school that he actually really liked her too he would eventually celebrate her 16th birthday with her over cake and a gray Thompson twin song probably not the most realistic film but it would definitely that's why all the girls loved all those john hughes films for that
2: there's the early 80s too i mean there's barbara streisand i am a woman in love like the songs with
0: barry gibb you know that's right yeah cool in the gang "Cherish," cherish cherish joanna and since we're talking about movies and I did mention silly love songs I quoted Paul McCartney a minute ago, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but my favorite Paul McCartney song of the 1980s is from a movie, Give My Regards to Broad Street, which failed. But No More Lonely Nights is one of the most perfect solo McCartney songs, at least later period songs ever.
2: Oh, you! I know what you're going to say because I'm going to say it too. Because we're talking about Paul McCartney, we have to talk about Stevie Wonder? When you think of Stevie Wonder love songs from the 80s, you think I just called to say I love you, which is like it's weird because the keyboard sound, it's its like it was a pre-programmed thing. You know, like back in the mall where you used to go visit the organs they had at the mall <laughs> and it would have those pre-programmed drum things. I was like, it's its a weird. But the song I like by Stevie Wonder is do I do. Yeah, it, it's a really great song. It's a it's sort of an alternative Stevie Wonder love song. Uh,
0: at the time, I just called to say I love you. People didn't. That song kind of got a bad reaction people thought it was kind of cheesy kind of like you know uh Lana Richie's hello whatever like but i think now who Lana um, Richie Lana Richie i mean we could do a whole podcast about like a, all his love songs speaking of stalkery though the hello video hasn't really aged that well he's like he's basically like following this blind girl around and then she makes this like really strange like bad Statue of his head. Anyway, I totally digress. Kevin, you—what were you about to say? Oh,
1: no, no. I, you're just talking about Stevie Wonder, and and, and this is not uh, strictly speaking an '80s song by any stretch. But I was made to love her. That song, when that record came out, I just happened to be, I think I was in grade school or junior high and I was dating a girl named Susie. And when he said Susie was in Pigtails, it was like this was our song immediately. I mean, that song to me, I was made to love her. I mean, come on, made to live for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, oh. Wait, Kevin, what were you listening to in the 80s? I know like people think I listen to a lot of 90s music because you you were you had so much going on in the 70s 80s you know for a a long time making a million records but what were you listening to now we're talking about the 80s but did you even have time to listen to music like were you a new wave guy or were you a
1: yeah you know I didn't have a whole lot of time I was I I, I was either in the studio on the road writing songs it was a pretty intense period for me so mostly I you know I was a my soul is in, in the world of the birds. You know, my, the first record mm-hmm. I ever owned was Mr. Tambourine Man and, of course, Buffalo Springfield and then the Hollies and then Crosby, Stills and Nash, which my neighbor, uh, David Crosby, who don't even get me oh. started on, on, on what a wonderful beauty. Oh, wow. I mean, he... Yeah, we're getting off the track, but just real quickly. No,
0: but I didn't, I would love for you to share that because I didn't know you knew him or were neighbors with him. Wow. Yeah,
1: he, I, I was, you know, he, he moved down the street from me after he, after his dark period, when he, he, you know, got together with Jan Dance and they, and their you know, when I knew him, their biggest vice was imported herbal tea.
0: He did have songs in the eighties and, and actually was making some of his greatest music and, The aughts, towards the end of his life.
1: I think Southern Cross came out in the eighties. What was it was a, and that, believe it or not, is a love song because I, I, I've spent a lot of time with Stephen as well. That song, the verse where he says, "It's all that I have left, and music is her name," that where where he's talking. It's
0: they used to play that on MTV a lot. I remember this because you know I might have actually like a lot of kind of artists from that era weren't necessarily making music videos. And they showed that on MTV in pretty high rotation. So it Uh, qualifies. qualifies
1: I I still cry whenever I hear that song. I just think it's one of the most beautiful. If you really get into that lyric, it's, you know, Steven. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to get back to not just like full on eighties, but also to you for a moment, Kevin, because I was talking about, you know, MTV and, and actually, you know, it's kind of a good thing Crosby, Stills and Nash, like one of the kind of bands that was had been around earlier that was transitioning to MTV. Not all bands transitioned to MTV that well. And, and some of the videos that were made then, even if they were hits at the time, haven't really, I guess, aged that well. And I understand that when you did, I think, was it the video for uh, what's the video where you're like on the psychiatrist couch? <laughs>
1: That was keep on loving you. And, okay. and you know, it, it just so happened. I mean, talk about, you know, being in the right place kind of at the right time. Our high infidelity album was the the number one album, you know, and right when MTV came out. And so, you know, Ario Speedwagon was we were always called faceless. So that, that, that was kind of the adjective, you know, that we were a faceless band because we were from Illinois and no one, you know, paid any attention to us until they had to. And so for us, when MTV played our videos and put our faces on the screen brought us into people's living rooms that was that was huge for us i mean it was a really a lot you know a lot of people complained about having to make videos and it was a pain but for us it was amazing you know we're friendly folks you know we're we're. it's okay to invite us into your living room we won't trash the place you know
0: I, my understanding is you're not, you're not really although obviously this we've well established that song has very much stood the test of time that you're not really you don't think the video has
1: well, you know, my performance was uh, you know, a uh, uh, subpar uh, would be a compliment to it. I you know, we we made four videos in I, I I thought it was one day, maybe it was two days and and we didn't this was right MTB hadn't debuted yet, so we didn't even know why we were like why we were bothering with this. And so the uh director told me what I needed to do and I I don't know how to act. It was, it was, I watched that. I watched that thing uh, the the other day. Someone played it for me. And it's, it's like having your high school yearbook trotted out uh, on a regular basis. It's uh, not a, not a proud moment.
0: Well, let's trot out Lisa's high school yearbook for a moment because you did come. You just showed me, yeah. you have like reefs of, you know, like pages and pages of notes. What are some of, you know, the soundtrack to those years for you that, you know, the, and all the angst, all the teen angst of, you know, crushing yeah. and first loves and first kiss and wanting to go to prom and all of that stuff.
2: Oh, so sad. So sad. Um, <laughs> at 70. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I I was I, I keep forgetting we need to talk about Hall and Oates because oh my God, one, one on really one. Big- yeah, or kiss on my list. You make my dreams come true. Those were songs that it was like preteen songs that, like, oh, you could fall in love. You make my dreams come true. you a crush on Daryl, at least? Yeah, I like oh, Daryl. Yeah. I, I like Daryl. I got to actually, I wrote my song Stay. I Missed You because Daryl Hall was looking for some solo songs. I heard a friend of mine who worked at BMI told me that Daryl Hall was looking for solo songs. So I was trying to write a song like, uh, more like the older songs, like Sarah Smile, like those bluesy kind of bang, I wrote this groove. And then by the time I got into writing this song, I realized that that opportunity wasn't happening. I got to tell him that I had written the song for him. And so now when I see him, I actually, it's, you know, one of those things where you actually are having a conversation once again with, you know, and also John Oates, who I really love. Yeah, John Oates too. I'm- so kind. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. I
0: never knew that, that fun fact about Stay. That's, a, I would love oh, yeah. to see... Daryl Hall cover that. Paul Young covered one of his iconic love songs, Yes, Every Time, every time You, go, time you
2: away. go Away, which is also such a Daryl Hall's and John Oates yeah. song. Every Time You Go Away is such a beautiful love song. Again from a movie, right? Did Paul Young play at live aid? He
0: I think he probably did. did. Think he, was- he he did get to sing the very first line of Do They Know It's Christmas? We Cannot Forget <laughs> that. He was a big enough star then that he, right. you know, got to throw out the first pitch on that I was
2: at Live Aid in London in the 80s. I was studying acting that summer, and I went to go see Live Aid. And I feel like he was the first artist, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. Oh, you should be jealous.
2: Yes, you should be jealous. It was incredible. It was every, you know, a lot of people played there. So I was, so those were some of the songs I was thinking. Also, uh, oh, well, if we're talking about The Police, a song that is a love song that I do like. Every little thing she does is magic. Uh, Next to you. Yeah, I actually showed Stuart Copeland, even though, again, I'm friendly with Stuart Copeland. I had to also stalk him and show him a picture of my friend, Margaret, who you met in Dallas, one of my best friends. And Adrian and I, we would always reenact the Zenyatta Mandata album cover. (gasps) Because that's sort of how I started playing music. We love the police. Well, one of the reasons. And, And Margaret found out about the police first, so she was Sting. And Adrian found out about the police second, so she was Stuart, the drummer. And then I was Andy Summers, the guitar player. But I actually ended up sticking with it and... Uh, anyway That
0: is amazing yeah. I really hope that somewhere Next to your high school yearbook You have the photos of these Oh, they're ones.
2: in my phone I, sh- I literally was sh- Oh my God yeah. Please text yeah. those to
0: me later <laughs> <laughs> Any other ones? I've got a few I've got Psychedelic Furs, Love My Way Also, this was a cover But the version of It Must Be Love By uh, Lobby Sufri did it first But it was by Madness It Must Be Love is a definite song That yes. I really love And actually, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, to get back into the punkier side, the sensitive side of the Pogues with yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know how many yas are in it, but it's like it's a song about kind of not a viewpoint you necessarily hear so much in songs. But like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, how great you were for. I took you for granted or I just thought we were friends. And then one day, you know, Mm -hmm. my eyes were open and I realized you were the one for me and you were here all along, you know, kind of like. You know, not that I normally would mention the Pogues and Survivor in the same sentence, but kind of like the same thing as like, uh, you know, the search is over by Survivor yeah. rather than in by the Bee Gees. And, you know, a sensitive side to Shane McGowan we don't see. And also, again, playing into that young girl wish fulfillment that, you know, maybe that boy who you're friends with or that you like at school who at the moment just sees you as a friend, has put you in the friend zone or doesn't even know you exist, will one day suddenly... Look at you from across the room and go, "Oh, holy cow! Yeah, she's the one." So I have to throw the pogues in there because you know, the '80s was a very wide-ranging decade musically.
1: Songs are written about a number of things, but I, it seems to me like most songs, if you really break them down, they're they're love songs. They're they're you know that because that that's what moves people, and songwriters are just writing about what's happening to them or the, or Lisa, you know, sometimes you get a script put in front of you and then you kind of take on the character and the script, but yeah. love is, I mean, that's, that's what we all want. We all, we all want to feel love for, for others. We all want to be loved. We all don't want to lose love there. It's just, it, if you know, all these songs we're mentioning, all relationships, relationships, yeah, we all, relationships. we all
0: go through this shit, whether, whether you're staying, Whether you're Steve Jones, whether you're Shane Gowan, whether you're Peter Cetera, we didn't even talk about Chicago yet. Whether you're Steve Perry, whether you're Sebastian Bach, whether you're Robert Smith. The Go-Go's, Go-Go's Head Over Heels, Our Lips Are Sealed. And Our Lips Are Sealed. I mentioned, you know, Madness, which brings me to think about the specials, which brings me to think about Terry Hall, who recently died. And Terry Hall co-wrote Our Lips Are Sealed with Jane Whelan because they had an affair when the Go-Go's opened for the specials on tour in 1980. And then, like, they wrote secret letters to uh, Terry Hall and Jane Whelan. And then Phone Boy 3, with Terry Hall, eventually did a really nice version of Our Lips Are Sealed. Sort of a similar thing that I was talking about, that idea of uh, the song by Tracy Ullman and Kirstie McCall, they don't know that against the odds, like other people don't believe in us and don't think our love is real or can last, but you know, we'll prove them wrong kind of thing. There's so many ways you can go with love songs and we've really gone along with this, but I wanted, before I wrap the, up this love fest, because, Lisa, you had all these notes. I want to make sure that yes. you thought I'm all I'm of- good.
2: I mean, we could go on and on. There's so many good love songs. And you feel, as a music maker and as a music listener, when you make a cool mixtape for someone, you want to show them all the sides of you from AHA all the way to Barbra Streisand, all the way to you know Led Zeppelin and Ario Speedwagon. You want to show them everything. We can't. There's just too much music out there.
0: Absolutely. But this podcast is making me want to find those old mixtapes that I'm sure we all made for I have mine
2: over right over there behind me I've got those cassette tapes and my little cassette recorder It makes me want to sit and write a song I see that that hotel room bed behind Kevin and I'm like oh you got to grab the guitar the ukulele and like oh I want to make myself an assignment to write a kind of a love song
0: I would absolutely love that if I could say that the totally 80s podcast inspired you guys or anyone listening to write a love song i would say our work is is done i would absolutely say our work is done and probably we should wrap the conversation with that because you know i'm just feeling the love right now i think that's a figurative high note to go out on
1: i like that i like that love uh, yeah love's all you need that's didn't someone say that at one point?
0: Someone might have said that at one point. Maybe not in the 80s, but whatever decade it is, where, you know, the sentiment, you know, still holds dear. So thank you for, uh, keep on loving us, uh, uh-huh. everyone. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Kevin and Lisa, for, and everyone listening out there for joining this love fest. I cannot wait to hear the Dolly, the Dolly Parton song. I'm going to be feeling love when that happens. I still am holding out hope now that Daryl Hall is going to cover Stay. Stay. It's all going to happen. It's all because of Totally 80s. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember to give Totally 80s some love with a rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. And I will catch you next time. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody.
1: Uh, Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Good to see you guys.
0: This
2: was Totally 80s the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Totally80s and please leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform. Until our next episode, catch you on the flip side.